Bears, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today on the Ken Schrader edition... Remember when he drove that 49 car? It was like gold and he had Carrot Top on it one time for fast lane racing. Yup, Carrot Top, Ken Schrader. On this episode, we will recap the Bristol event of the Pro Invitational Series won by Mr. iRacing himself, William Byron. And welcome on my boy, Diego Alvarado, for a very fun conversation. Took a lot of twists and turns, but it was fun as always with Diego, or as people know him, 18 Diego DD. Just two homies hanging out per usual. Speaking of per usual, let's get this episode started as we do per usual with a good old fashioned. <laughs> the E NASCAR I Racing Pro Invitational Series Race Numero Tres from Bristol Motor Speedway. This one was uh, a bit of a, how we say, shisho. There was a lot of yellows, a lot of wrecking, so much so that they had to go to single-file restarts just past halfway in the race. Yeah, it was that bad. So Clint Boyer wrecked Bubba Wallace. Bubba Rage quitted. He said, that's why I don't take this bleep serious. See ya. Uh, quitted. And then his sponsor, Blue Emu, dropped him. Legit dropped him post-race. They tweeted, good to know where you stand. Bye-bye, Bubba. We're interested in drivers, not quitters. I was like, I was like, what? Is this for real? <laughs> I was I was literally playing Mario Kart with my girlfriend, and I picked up my phone in between a race, and I was like, uh, give me a minute here. And she was like, does this happen normally? I was like, no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, that was just crazy, crazy. Plus, Daniel Suarez, for the second week in a row, and Kyle Larson got DQ'd for wrecking each other. Uh, Suarez has a hell of a record. Two career starts. Two career disqualifications. I don't think that will ever be matched. But you had your usual suspects up front. William Byron, Timmy Hill, Ryan Priest, Dale Jr., Garrett Smithley. Kyle Busch was up there too. But Byron wins it pretty convincingly. He was one of the favorites coming in for obvious reasons given his background. And he finally, after running really well in the first two races at Miami and Texas, he gets win number one at Bristol. I thought we had a pretty solid race. Obviously, there was a lot to you know, kind of um, decipher through and try to get through. But I thought we stayed, you know, up close to the front. We had the one tire strategy call that got us um, back to the top five. And then we just had to work through the top five methodically after that. So was really proud of, of how we kind of did things. And um thankful for Nick Onger, who kind of helps me on my esports team and Exalta for letting us run this cool paint scheme. It looks awesome. Um, hopefully, we can run it sometime in the in the real cup car. So, uh, I had a lot of fun. Was he surprised at the aggressive nature of the field, though? In some ways, he says, yeah, wasn't that surprising? Yeah, I, I kind of expected it a little bit, you know, considering what guys were, were um, you know, good and what guys were maybe not as experienced. And, you know, racing on there is the same, but you have to value, you know, it really comes down to how you value 
how you race others. And um, I treat it like I would how I race others the same way I would, um, you know, in the real car. And that's kind of what it takes to, to be good on there. So, um, you know, I think that you just saw some guys that, that weren't maybe as, as um, you know, experienced at it maybe in the back, but um, I'd say the top five or 10 guys really know what they're doing. And those were the guys I was worried about racing the whole time. Lastly here from slick bill Byron, Interesting question posed from Bob Pachris because I was interested in it too. I wasn't able to get on the press conference post-race though. Given his experience on the program of iRacing, was there slash has there been any extra added pressure or nerves for him competing in his own backyard per se against guys that he does every week in the real world? But people know that this is what he does. Like this is his wheelhouse. Was there any extra added pressure or motivation there? A little bit. Yeah. I think that like the first week, um, you know, I, I was, I feel like the most nervous and I think everyone gets nervous when they, I race just because you don't have the sound of the engine and some of those adrenaline things that actually kick the, the nervousness down in the real car. Um, you know, so that, that is a little bit there nerves for everybody, but, um, I'd say so. Yeah. Just because, you know, I, people are like, Oh, well this, you know, this is your thing and all of that. So, um, yeah, I think it, I think the first week that kind of showed, you know, I was a little bit over aggressive knowing who I was going to race. And then this week I just tried to be patient and, uh, it worked out pretty good. There you have it. Your winner of week three of the, I, I keep forgetting how to say it. I don't know if it's pro invitational series or pro series invitational either way. He's the winner of week three. Uh, next week. I don't know what we have. We might have nothing cause it's Easter, but Adam Stern did report today, which is I'm recording this on Monday night that they might have an event at Daytona. So we shall see. Regardless, I'll be tuned in as I'm tuned into pretty much any NASCAR, IndyCar, IMSA, iRacing event that's on television or streamed on YouTube these days. Interview time. I've been wanting to have this guy on the podcast for as long as I've been doing the podcast because he has been a day one, and I mean day one, supporter of Victory Lane. He also competes in esports to a certain extent. Drives for Richard Petty Motorsports in the NASCAR Heat Pro League. Excuse me, the eNASCAR Heat Pro League. He's a photographer extraordinaire. And I learned some very interesting side hustles <laughs> that he did as well before coronavirus and everything kind of put that stuff to a halt. His name is Diego Alvarado. He lives in California. He's a proud Clout 9 member. We sat down for a little over an hour talking about everything from how he got started in the sport on a personal level to a professional level, cross-country road trips from California to Charlotte, um, being fanboys of, of drivers and when that kind of changed to a certain aspect, photography, that side of things, how he's kind of grown in that respect, driving for RPM, some stories about the king. Um, and I'm telling you, the end of this interview is just really funny and interesting, <laughs> in my opinion. So, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Here is my boy, my buddy, my hombre, Diego Alvarado on Victory Lane. As coronavirus season rolls on, so does this podcast. And I want to bring on one of not only my day one homies in general, but a day one homie to the Victory Lane podcast. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Diego Alvarado quarantined in California. First of all, let's start there, and then we'll get into everything that I want to with you because it's a plethora, as you know. How is the quarantine going? I know that you're at home with some family members, but since you're in California, I mean, you guys are strictly locked down, right? 
Oh, yeah. It's been taken to a whole new level here. And literally, when I say I've been home for the last week and a half, I mean, I've been home for the last week and a half. I have <laughs> not gone out. I mean, probably at the most is just to walk to my car to make sure that it's still there. But I'm literally quarantined right now. I got some family over, got my grandma staying with mm -hmm. us now. Got to keep her safe, you know. So uh, we're taking this very, very seriously. And I'm um, just trying to make the most out of it here at home, produce some content, get ready for the new E-NASCAR e season coming up, and I'm um, just catching up on all the eSports stuff that's on TV. I was going to say, so, like, what are you doing? Because I'm pretty much doing nothing. I wake up, I maybe eat something, sit on the couch, scroll through Twitter until I'm, like, look at the clock. I'm like, oh, wow, it's it's noon. And then I try to do some push-ups or something, go back on Twitter, Go on Instagram, go on Snapchat, go for a run, come back, watch some eye racing, and then I'm like, oh, is it bedtime yet? Nope, better scroll through Twitter again. And then and text repeat. you. Yeah, and then text you and be like, hey, you want to come on the podcast? I'm bored out of my mind. You're like, yeah. I mean, I texted you before. I was like, hey, um, any particular time you want? He <laughs> texted me back. I'm wide open like Talladega, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the honest truth. I'm trying to keep myself busy here. Like, the first two days, it was cool. Like, yeah. I'm home, don't have to worry about getting up, you know, for work or for class mm -hmm. or anything like that. And here we are in like what feels like month 10. And uh, I'm trying to get creative here at home. Been uh, been trying to learn some instruments. I haven't been huge into music. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to learn on how to play the uke by myself, a uke recently. <laughs> I haven't been a big TV guy. Just started uh, watching Parts and Rec, just finished The Office for the first time. So okay. I'm trying to uh, make the most out of this quarantine, you know? You gonna get through Tiger King? Yes, dude. Oh my gosh. I've at first I was a little bit skeptical. You know, you kind of see the preview on Netflix. I'm like, eh, I'm not really sure if this is my type. But just reading through all the hype from friends and now family telling me that it's a good show. I'm, dude. I'm caved in. So that was a good pun, by the way. So I finished it the other day. It's like, it's one of those things where it's a train wreck and you can't look away. Like, and and you'll see when you watch it. There's not one character on that show, and I say character because even though they're real people and it's a true story, they are legit characters. There's not one character on the show that I like. Like everybody, <laughs> oh. everybody just sucks. They're they're stupid. They're annoying. They're I mean, they're really just dumb for like doing the things that they do. I mean, you'll see. It's it's wild. I will say that towards the end, I think one of the later episodes, there is a little bit of a race car cameo. I think one of the guys just lives by himself in a trailer in Oklahoma. And a lot of the shots for the documentary when he's being interviewed is in a garage. And I see that he's kind of has like a race car in the background. And then they showed footage of him at a local dirt track. So it was probably somewhere in Oklahoma. So I was like, Hey, we got a race. In no, Dude, I always fanboy when I see stuff like that, even if it's just like a little reference on TV or like something mainstream, I all the time, out. dude, all the time. Deep out. So we were talking about um, esports and iRacing, and before we started recording, we were talking about the, uh, I don't know what the official name of it is, but let's just call it the NBC Esports iRacing Short Track Challenge. You literally got it. That's literally it. I'm reading an article right in front of me. Well, you know from our time covering K&N that I will never, ever forget the race name last year at Gateway. You want to give it a shot, or should I do it? Um, you actually here, I'll give it a shot and then you can tell me how close I am. Please go. It is the Monaco cocktails 125 at worldwide technology raceway and gateway presented by stock car West coast stock car hall of fame. 
I'll give you like an A minus on that. That was good. Just some technicalities that you need to clean up. Here it is. It was the Monaco Cocktails Gateway Classic 125 presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. We'll never forget it for the rest of my life as long as I live. Why? Because it's such a stupid freaking long name. How, what what was the hashtag for that? Like, what did you have to tweet out? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. I think it was just uh, Monaco 125, but I was like, oh, so we're getting like one sixteenth of the race name. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's wild. I'm uh, I'm sure I would have remembered it if I was there, but uh, I wasn't, and I just <laughs> remember the ridiculous name. But yeah, that's uh, that's one for the butts. It was wild. Um, so I teased it off the top, and I wrote in my notes in all caps. You actually listen and have since day one. So I'm gonna put down my microphone. Thank you, Diego, because I've told my listeners I don't get a lot of people that download and listen, like, comment, subscribe, what have you. But you have been one of them, along with a handful of people, Kathleen, one of them, at KHI Fan on Twitter. You have been one of the day one homies, and I love and appreciate you for it. So, I mean, besides me, us being homies, like, why do you choose to listen to this show when there's a ton of other NASCAR podcasts out in the landscape? Oh, well, first of all, I mean, we got to support the homies. I mean, especially in the year 2020, it's all about prospering and supporting the <laughs> homies, you know? That's right. You feel me on that one? But um, no, dude, like I've I've always been a huge fan of the content you put out and just seen be- behind the scenes on the hard work that you do. Um, it's, it's really admirable. And so anything I can do to either promote or to give you a listen, I mean, I, I'm not just saying that because, you know, we're amigos here, but I genuinely like the podcast. And um, I hope it blows up even more this year, you know? Hey, you never know. Yeah. Keep up the hard work and maybe uh, results will follow. Maybe this will be the most downloaded episode because, I mean, you're a popular guy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Come on the opposite day. Hey, it's a, it's a good SpongeBob episode, so we can tie that <laughs> in. So we also think that Sonoma 2017, which is when Kevin Harvick won the K&N race over Will Rogers, who you're sporting one of his sponsor's hats. Very nice. We think that that may have been the first time that we met in person. I think it may have been earlier, but let's call it for this sake that that was the first time we met. That was a hell of a race. It was a hell of a day, too. We, You think that our mutual friend Christian introduced us? Is that how you think it went down? Yeah, I... <laughs> I want to say that's who's responsible for the linking here. I mean, I'm trying to go back and remember what the 2017 schedule is because you said your first race was Orange Show, right? Yeah. Which was in May of that year. Sonoma wasn't that long after in June. I'm trying to remember if there was a race in between. I'm not sure. But um, I really want to say Sonoma is that that one event. Well, that was a good good first meeting because it was a pretty good race. So that weekend, were you working with weather, by the way. Oh, always beautiful weather out there in Wyoming. Love Sonoma. Were you working with Will that weekend? Yeah, um, it's 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 funny on how we uh, uh, kind of linked up with Will Rogers there. But at the end of 2016, I kind of met him through a mutual friend, and then uh, he kind of told me in that off season that he was going to go big time K and N racing in 2017. Big time. And so, um, me me just uh, being a you know small town kid out of California <laughs> where there's literally zero racing fans. I'm trying to find my way into the sport, and uh, yeah, Will gives me the the holler that hey, do you want to travel the Canaan circuit? And starting with that first race in, uh, I want to say it was Irwindale because it kicked off a Napa 500 challenge of like mm-hmm. four races in seven days. Um, I did like pr- pretty much every race that weekend for him, doing some PR, doing some uh, photography, 
later on in that year, more so transitioned into photography. And um, the reason why Christian was there in 2017 is because he was the one that was doing the PR that weekend. But um, yeah, I think Sonoma was that first weekend where I was just solely like meaty guy, just photos and a little bit of video content. And that was it. But So up until that point, you were going to races maybe one or two times a year as a fanboy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I, I'd say that's probably around the the time that I transitioned from being a hardcore fanboy into like, all right, I'm growing up, just graduated high school here, yep. got to get my act together. If I want to be in the sport, like, I got to start building connects. And it really just started from that. I was the same exact way because I don't know if you know this story, but it's kind of funny. You'll, I think you'll enjoy it. So, yeah. so Kevin wins that race, right? Uh-huh. No secret to all you listeners that I was the biggest Kevin fanboy of all time. Um, but that, that was actually the weekend where I kind of rationalized with myself that I was like, all right, if I'm going to make a career out of this and I'm going to do this for real, like I gotta, I gotta get my, you know, what straight. So it's in the post-race press conference. All the, the, the big time beat media writers have gone home. Bob's gone. Gluck's gone. You know, all these people. Um, so the only people that are still there are some local Sonoma reporters, myself on behalf of NASCAR home tracks and Claire B. Lang. Uh-huh. So we're in the press conference room and Ke- Kevin at this point, he doesn't like know me, but he recognizes me from being a fanboy because I go, I went to all of it. Really? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Because up until that point I went, and this is way before 2017, not joking about this, but so I went to like all those fan club events. Um, I saw him at like some meet and greets that were at specific race markets and, and whatnot. Um, and also, I think it was the the year after I I rode up the elevator at the Vegas dirt track with him, and I was like, "You remember me?" He was like, "Yeah," and that was kind of a thing. But anyways, so um, I think after the press conference, I did a big no no um, that journalists are told not to do, which is so I asked Kevin for a picture. Oh, so so that's a that's a big no no. Um, you know, if you get a picture while you're interviewing him, that's cool. If you get a picture while you're talking to him on pit road, whatever. But you're not really supposed to have any posed photographs. That's just kind of like a, like a conflict of interest type deal. Right. So I took one and I look terrible in it. That's why I didn't post it. Uh, but, I was just um, saying, how come I haven't seen this yet? Like this is all news to me. No, nah, I'll send you. I just look like a bag of balls. Um, <laughs> so, so Claire B, I, I had introduced myself to Claire B, I think a couple times that year. And, um, she kind of pulled me aside and a lot of people had different opinions about Claire B. I mean, I fluctuate day to day depending on what she does. But um, she kind of pulled me aside. She's like, hey, like, just so you know, um, you shouldn't be doing that. And I was like, I kind of knew that I shouldn't be. But I was like, eh, I mean, like, there's nobody really here. Like, this is a really unique opportunity for me. This is still when I was kind of in fanboy mode. Right. So I was like, let me just send it. And I sent it. Um, but Claire saw it. And she was being nice. She was like, hey, just a recommendation. You know, I would kind of like lay off of that. Because right. at this point, I did not have a hard card. But I was credentialed as media. Right. So, I mean, you were all you know, wristband up, right? I had a hot pass, I think, that weekend. Oh, wow. Um, but maybe I had a wristband, too. I forget. But it was one of those things where it's like you never want to be that guy who's credentialed media hounding for autographs or whatever. Yeah. So and, and, I was and, like, and you kind of eh. like always see it on race weekends, especially in the cup stuff. Like you kind of hear some stories. I've kind of seen it firsthand happen with some other photographers or maybe some lower end media guys. And like you kind of cringe a little bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a disconnect between, you know, there's your core top media people. Then there's your grinders like myself dustin albino on front stretch guys like that who don't really make a profit on it per se but 
still bust their ass every week to get to the racetrack and pay their own way and, and produce good content. And then there's your guys that are kind of guys and gals that are like a step below, which is kind of like, eh, we can tell you're like pretty much a fanboy or a fangirl and you kind of like get hot passes because it's cool and you act like you're a media member, but then like you'll turn around Monday and then be sitting in your driver laden bedroom and just doing your thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> 100%. Anyways. Um, so yeah, so, th- so that was, I think, the first time we met. And you, you mentioned that nobody kind of in your area likes NASCAR, knows what it is. I'm going to get to that in a second. But people may know you kind of from, from Twitter and from your, your work with NASCAR Heat and RPM. But how did you get into NASCAR specifically? Because a guy with a, from California with a Hispanic background, like that's not really the, the typical NASCAR fan that I think that they're going for. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. It's it's kind of a funny story, and it kind of like, it's it, it kind of blows my mind away every time I think about it because it's like if this one event did not happen, like I I think about how my life would be today because just randomly uh, flipping through channels uh, in 2006. So just kind of lay out the picture here. Eight years old. 2006 is the year. Uh, flipping through channels um, late in the year, stumbled across this race on NBC called uh, Talladega, uh, the fall Talladega race. Come on. Um, and I was like, yo, what is this? What is going on? Their cars are going fast and they're inches away from each other. Uh, needless to say, I mean, I, I really wish I knew the exact specifics as far as like what I was watching. But I remember uh, Last Lab Infamous wreck with uh brian vickers jimmy johnson oh, dale jr that you remember year, that yeah. of course yeah that year um and honestly the the drama and the incidents that happened that race kind of made me a fan and i was like oh my gosh what's this thing called it's called nascar oh i gotta find a computer i gotta research this online i gotta <laughs> i gotta follow this like this is cool you know eight-year-old diego was freaking out exactly dude i was tweaking out at how cool this thing was <laughs> i was like i gotta follow this and like what a better race, you know, to like come across than Talladega. Like that's one of the most intense, wild on the edge of your seat races, you know, the plate races, or I guess the tapered spacer races now. Well, back then it was plate races. So yeah. yeah back it. then it was plate. Um, but yeah, man. And so ever since then, uh, kind of researched it. I don't remember if I watched any of the other races that year, but I remember the following year in 2007, um, being like, Oh, they actually come here to California. There's a racetrack and it's like half an hour away from where I live here in Southern California. And so I convinced my parents to uh, get some tickets and uh, me and my dad actually went to the uh, 2007 Auto Club 500. Um, and I'll- Was that when it was still called California Speedway? Yeah, that was the last year that it was called California Speedway before cool. it got renamed to Auto Club in 2008. So I was there for that last deal there for the last um, Gen 4 race at California back when it was still uh, finishing under lights, which is really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much the uh, the event that started it all. And here we are, you know, some 13, 14 years later. Yeah. And it's crazy to look back at, you know, all the people I've gotten to meet and being on the other side of the catch fence now, it's it's also crazy to think about, and I'm sure you have a lot of moments like that. Yeah, hundred percent. I I didn't really have a moment like you did where I was stumbling across the TV, but it was one of those things where my dad watched a lot when I was really young, and uh, he was actually at the 2001 Daytona 500 when everything happened with Dale oh, Senior. Snap. 
that's a, that's a crazy story. Another story for a different day. But, um, so at that point, I mean, I was what I was five years old or maybe four, something like that. Um, and I liked Dale Earnhardt cause he was the guy who always won all the time. And four, four or five year old me was like, yay, go winner. <laughs> no so, Dale. Yeah. So, and then when he died, I was kind of young, too young to comprehend the fact that he was gone. So then the rest of that year I like watched, you know, off and on, I was just doing me being four or five years old. But then I remember in two, cause, and I also remember that year, my dad told me that Dale was not going to be racing anymore. And a guy named Kevin Harvick was going to be racing for him. Uh-huh. So I was like, four year old me is like, okay, go Kevin. And then the next year is a 2002. So I was six, I think, um, at Bristol, he ran, I believe the Xfinity and the cup race that weekend. And he had ET, which was my favorite movie at the time on the car. It's, I still, I'm looking at the diecast right now. I have, I have a 118, a 124, a 164, um, of this car. So he had like, uh, he had like a um, a pink and black one for the Bush race on Saturday and a blue and black one on the, for the cup race on Sunday. And I remember just watching the TV and I was like, mommy, mommy, E.T.'s on the car. And then, I mean, the rest is history from there. Wow. So, like, so I, I got into NASCAR from my dad, but I became a Kevin fan because of E.T. Right. Wow. So just that one movie reference made you a Kevin Harvard How about yeah. that? Dude, he seems to be sending some merchandise chats over to a Kevin Harvard, man. Dude, dude. So I went to Universal like probably when I was 10 or something like that. And all I wanted to do was go on the E.T. ride because that's literally all I wanted to do. So I dressed up as Elliot and I had like the, the red sweatshirt and everything. <laughs> and, I, and I took a picture while I was like on the bicycle with ET in the box. That's on the front of the bicycle. I still have that picture downstairs somewhere. So that was, uh, that was kind of how I got into the sport. And I wanted to bring up, um, favorite drivers because I knew that you were a big Brad K guy. Cause when I, when I was still fanboy mode back in 2017, I remember if the race is on a Sunday or if we stayed for the national series races, we would always link up and check out our sock game because we would have matching socks. You would have your Brad socks and I would have my Kevin socks. Yeah. We would stance it up. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's so wild. And, and kind of going back to the Sonoma deal. Uh, so obviously the, the thing with Will Rogers and Kevin Harvick happens right on Saturday for the K&N race, right. that, that whole deal goes down on, on Saturday and them two are talking and Kevin's like, Hey, Will, you know, if, if, if you're here for the cup race tomorrow, you guys are welcome to come on out, sit on the pit boss and kind of check things out. You know, uh, Will's on networking with, with his manager and whatnot. And so, um, luckily enough, we, uh, stayed there for Sunday and Will and I were both on the four pit bots, but secretly, and I kind of forgot that I told you this story, but I was actually wearing the Brad K socks when I was up yep. on the four pit bots you were. at the race that he ended up winning. I was yep. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> Davies would be so jealous of this. Yeah, one. no, I was, I remember too, because I, th- I think at the end of the race, I, yeah, I still have the video. I was walking down pit road. I do this for every race and I just kind of walk around to go to where the media bullpen is but there wasn't one at that time. So I just walked over to, to Harvick's pit stall because I wanted to get the reaction of the, the crew when they won the race. And I think I remember I kind of like looked up and I was trying to find a place to like shoot the, shoot the crew celebrating. And I like saw the back of Will's head. And then I like saw you out of the corner of my eye and you were kind of like giving me a, like a smirk. I was like, 
Holy shit, that mo- oh my god, he's literally living the life right now. I would give anything to trade places. I, I couldn't believe it because I remember it sits out of my memory because Tevin was winless up until that point. Uh-huh. And I had like never been on a pit bots for a cup race or nothing. And like first experience, the Dane driver goes out and wins the race. I was like, holy crap, what an experience. And that was one of the only tracks that he had never won at in the Cup Series. I think. Oh, really? It was at that point. It was Sonoma, Texas, Pocono, Kentucky, and now I think it's just Pocono, Kentucky. So, see, the fanboy stuff is still in my brain somewhere. Dude, I, I did not even know the, that stat. It's, isn't there? Is it Kyle or is it Jimmy? That's like one at every single track of the active drivers. Um, besides the Charlotte Roval, I think Kyle is the man who's. Oh, right, 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 right. I think, I think Jimmy has not won at Kentucky. But I think there might be there might be one or two more. But I think Jimmy is one of every place besides Kentucky and the Roval. Wow! So the three of them are pretty close to sweeping the whole schedule. Yeah, and I mean it's crazy too because Jimmy and Kevin are two vets, and then Kyle is just chilling. He hasn't even like hit his peak yet. Yeah, but <laughs> that's what that's what it is. Thirty nine. Um, that, that's right. Peak age for a driver. Thirty nine. So we we said you're from California. It's not really the biggest hotbed for NASCAR, the community that you're specifically in. And you said that there was like nobody at school, like no friends that were into it at all. So what did your friends say when, when you talked about it or you wore some NASCAR gear or anything? Were they like, who the hell is this guy? What is what is he doing? Like, what is he what is he watching this southern redneck shit for? Like, what did they say? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny because um, at around the same time that it started becoming a fan of the sport, I like switched elementary school. So I was now at this new school and I'm like wearing I mean, I. I guess I kind of had a favorite driver at the time. I, I was kind of a junior guy before Brad came along, but um, I really just wore anything that said NASCAR. So I was wearing like a whole bunch of different drivers at school. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I it's so funny because here in Southern California and kind of where like I grew up and where I live, it's predominantly Hispanic like uh, race, you know. Uh, what city are you in? Are you in Chino Hills? So I actually moved out of Chino Hills and now I'm living in Riverside, uh, California, not, not too far away from where the old Riverside road course, um, Mm -hmm. once was, uh, fun facts on that deal. But, um, so I actually grew up in Pomona, California, um, which isn't that far away. I'm probably about 15 minutes, uh, West of where I'm at here in Riverside. But, um, yeah, with that area predominantly being Hispanic, um, and me liking NASCAR and I tend to have lighter skin, you know, lighter complexion if I'm not burnt. Um, <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's funny because here I'm kind of like the white kid, you know, cause I, I don't have that Hispanic um, kind of accent and I looked a little bit wider than like NASCAR. Yeah. But when I go out to North Carolina, I'm like the Hispanic Mexican kid, <laughs> you know, white male. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so so I mean, just pretty much that. Everybody, uh, all my friends, they thought it was super cool. I, I tried to get them into the sport, um, change a couple of people's minds once I took some buddies to the racetrack. But um, yeah, I was always just like the kid that liked an NASCAR. And of course, you know, you always get oh, all they're doing is just left turns, four hours of left turns. Oh, that's so boring. How could you watch that? But I'm like, oh, dude, shut up. You don't even know what you're talking about. Just wait until I take you to a race. And sure enough, a couple years later. Uh, with some of my homies, took them to a race here at Fontana, changed their mind. Now they're casual fans. But we love that. We love getting new fans. Yep. I was the same way though. I mean, from elementary school through middle school, high school, even college, I would. I mean, I wore NASCAR stuff everywhere. I talked about it. I'm obviously trying to make a career out of it. So right. even in high school and college, when I was writing about it, talking about it, 
you know, all my friends would be like, why do you like that? Like, it's just so dumb. It's just cars going in circles. And, 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 and for you in your area, because you, you grew up in like that DC region, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, still here in the DC area and like my, like my circle is like all Jewish people, like, <laughs> like straight up, like, and I mean, obviously not a lot of Jewish NASCAR fans, but it's, it's just one of those weird things. It's, I kind of like try to try to brand myself when I was kind of like breaking in quote unquote as the Jewish NASCAR reporter come to find out that there's a lot of them that are in the media center that you don't know about. That's a whole nother thing. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way as you. Like a lot of my friends were like, why are you watching that? It's stupid. And I was like, give it a chance. Watch five laps a day. So they're like, eh, I'm good. And I'm just like, okay. So th those are the type of people that you're just never going to be able to win over. Yeah. But then I, I've taken a couple friends to races. I, w I visited my buddy at Alabama where he was going to school Ooh. and we got hot passes for Dega and in the cheapest seats possible, like literally third row before the trioval. So like you couldn't see anything. Um, but I mean, I, I remember the first time the pack went by at full speed. I, I had, what year was this? Uh, this was 20, 2017 or 18, I think. Okay. Uh, it, it was, was whatever year that JGR rode around in the back and there was no big one. Okay. Yeah, it was it, 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 like, bit them in the ass, right? Uh, no, it, I think it actually helped them because I think I think Kyle and Denny ended up advancing. But there was, but I remember because they got a lot of scrutiny for that, and there was no big one. And I was telling him and his friends, I was like, "Just wait for the big one. Wait for the big one. You're gonna see the big one." And there was no big one, so I was like, "Damn." Um, <laughs> but no, like it, it's it's different because you expose people to it in person, whether it's the atmosphere. I mean, you know, Dega, the atmosphere at Dega is ridiculous. So it's the camaraderie, the atmosphere, the sights, sounds, smells, everything. It is completely different in person than what you see on TV. For us, I can't even imagine what it would be like for a non-NASCAR fan experiencing that for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it's really all about the event, you know, everything leading up to it. If, if you have an opportunity to go up to the prelim races, you know, the buildup that goes up to the big race on Sunday, exactly. uh, the fan experience, everything that goes on in the midway, and then you have the pre-race festivities and just the environment, you know, like it feels like an, an event. And, and I'm so excited that NASCAR is doing more uh, these days to make it that much more of an event because I feel like in you know in these days to to captivate the casual fan you have to make it an event it has to be more than the race it has yeah. to be an experience that they want to come for yeah that when you buy a ticket you're not buying a ticket to watch a race you're buying a ticket to go to an event you get a pre-race concert you get celebrities there you get premiere even if you don't have a hot pass i mean you get access to the drivers and to the cars that nobody gets in any other professional stick and ball sport you know yeah yeah 110 percent, and and even the access that goes far long than what most stick and ball sports do is i think what also helped um you know a lot of my school friends become casual fans because of the access and everything that they had they're like oh my gosh it's like a fair outside and oh yeah there's a race going on and oh my gosh yeah. like those are the cars that we're gonna see on track like they're yeah. five feet in front of me you know so yeah. it's 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 so cool even even some of my friends in the midwest i mean i know that they always text me because they're they're like oh i'm going to the snake pit for the Indy 500 and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so jealous. And they're like, yeah, I mean, we don't care about the race. We're just going for the concert. And I'm like, that's fine. But, like, watch some of the race because it's literally the biggest race in the world. Um, so, I mean, and some of them are like, wow, this is cool. Uh, probably wouldn't watch the whole thing if I was sitting at home. But I'm probably going to watch some of it next year because now I know what it's like and the pageantry and the buildup and everything going on with that. Like, 
So it's it's just such a different animal when you're there in person as to when you're watching on TV. It's it's one of those things, and it's interesting too because California has its fair share of drivers, has its fair share of tracks. The D.C. area doesn't really have any drivers besides Timmy Hill, Maryland's finest, <laughs> uh, or racetracks around here. Dover's two hours away. Richmond's two hours away. But the epicenter, as we know, of NASCAR is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, a long trek for you, which you have actually done in the car a few times. Um, can you tell me about the time? I, th- I know you wound up living in Charlotte for a little bit, and you were working for a race team out there take me back there kind of what was it like living in the kind of the epicenter of the racing world yeah yeah it was kind of a surreal experience at the time being presented an opportunity and this is you know in 2018 right right after the season that um i spent with will uh kind of learning the photography in the digital media space and um i eventually got to a point um instead of me having to go to social media and hit up drivers like hey like i'll, I'll try to do some photo work for me. I'll do it for super, super cheap. You know, just give me an opportunity to, to show you what I can do. And throughout the 2017 season, um, improved a lot. And in that off season, I actually got reached out by, by a lot of, uh, drivers and teams that were interested and they liked my work. And one of them being Mason Mitchell, uh, who, who at the time ran the Mason Mitchell motorsports organization in the Arca regional series oh, wow. um, and hit me up and, uh, yeah. And, <laughs> like a month before the season started he was like hey man like are you interested in position to work with us do the arca stuff um like we'd love to have you come on out and i was like uh yeah sure uh <laughs> I'm, I'm there you know um how old were you at this point um let's see 2018 i was 20 Jeez. So, um, so okay, what what your what your family say? Just turned twenty. I mean, they they were a little bit skeptical of it, you know, moving across the country. I I, I was still living at home. I I hadn't moved out, you know, second year of college, you know, still going to community college, and they're like, this is big. Like, you've got to commit to this, you know. Like, is is this really what you want to do? And without a question, I was like, yes, this is what I want to do, being a sport. And so, um, yeah, like a month before the ARCA racing season started, that whole deal kind of came together and moved out to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina for the few months um, that I was out there uh, up until the race team unfortunately shut down just due to a lack of funding. Um, and at that point, um, trying to look for work at uh, other race teams and, and you know, tr- trying to find a way to make it work, um, it just didn't really make any sense as there wasn't really any teams in Arca, Tannen, or Trust that were really looking to hire because they were already midway through the season. They're like, mm-hmm. hey, try again next year in 2019. And I was like, uh, okay, well, I need to find some money, you know. So I eventually just came back home um, and I'm just trying to, you know, make it work here. Been focusing on school, um, rotating some different jobs, uh, continued the go-karting stuff that I'm still doing now. And, uh, yeah, just, just having a lot of fun and um, – now doing the e-nascar stuff so it, it was a pretty cool experience being out there in nc definitely a big culture shock coming from here um yeah. especially my community where it's big uh hispanic um you know region going out there to you know it's a bunch of uh good old southerners and in some fine faults out there <laughs> um but yeah man i i have a blast i really like charlotte i would definitely like to go back if the right opportunity presents itself um, the only thing that I didn't like is the humidity. That is something that I was not used mm-hmm. to coming from the West Coast, going over to the East Coast. Um, never got used to it. I don't think I ever will. Um, I will take my 75 and sunny every single day, all day. That's funny because I remember, I think it was at South Boston. 
I think we were having a conversation and I was asking you how everything was going, how, how you were fitting in with everything. And you were like, I mean, it's all right. You know, it's just kind of like the culture's different, community's different. And I'm sweating my ass off like every day. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? It's, it was like 65 degrees <laughs> today. You're like, like, dude, the humidity's ridiculous. And this is me because like I live with humidity every day. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, you California boys, you don't even know what humidity is. Dude, okay, so so like on a on a scale of zero to like Florida weather, how bad is the humidity where you're at? Uh, I mean, it depends on the day. Like, like in the summer, let's say it's like you know eighty five or so degrees. I mean, the humidity is probably like a, on a scale from one to ten. I'd say anywhere from like a three to a four on like a like a like a average day. Uh huh. But I mean, if it rains the night before or, or during the day or whatever, it can get up to like a like an eight or a nine. But it, it's nothing like you know homestead in the middle of the summer or something like that and actually i mean you've been to vegas a handful of times i remember my first race out there it didn't help that we were at a dirt track and dirt was just getting all up in my sinuses but i was so i was literally like my my whole entire sinuses and my face just felt like a raisin wow. i was so dry and i just like poured water like on myself up my nose like, like chugging it, it like, like every, oh my god it was it was insane. It's so funny because going to like Vegas or like uh, Arizona, a lot of those, you know, typically dry, really, really dry um, regions, uh, it, it helps my allergies a lot. So I look forward to those <laughs> trips because I'm like, dude, I can breathe happily. I'm not spitting out mucus. Like I'm not having to take like four tabs a day of Claritin D. Yep, but yep. Um, yeah, man, I, I will take the dry Vegas 115 degree heat over some Charlotte, North Carolina, 75, 100% humidity because it was wild. I was like, dude, I am inside. I'm under some shade. Why am I sweating? Why am I wet? I just took a <laughs> shower. Am I going to have to take another shower? I was like, what is going on? Yeah, it's. I, I will always take, like if you gave me the opportunity, 75 and sunny on the East Coast or 100 like it regularly is in Vegas or Phoenix, I'm probably taking the dry heat nine out of ten times. Yeah, it 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 just hits different, you know. <laughs> it, it really do. <laughs> so, like you said, you eventually went back out west. Um, the timing and stuff just wasn't really right. But I, I don't want to overlook one thing. So you drove your Corolla from California to to Charlotte, and then from Charlotte all the way back to California. Correct. That would indeed be correct. How long was that trip? I mean, did you go crazy? Did you listen to Victory Lane on the way there? Give me the 411. Yeah, yeah. Victory Lane, okay, so there was a season one of Victory Lane, right? Well, when I was still in school, which would be during this time, there was like a first iteration of Victory Lane on a separate podcast feed, so yeah. Okay, so just know that if there was a victory lane at that time, I definitely would have been listening. Facts, but facts. Um, with with that being a 35-hour trip, great. Um, ended up splitting it up into three days. Uh, first time around, I went out with my dad because uh, I had not done anything near that long of a trip. And we kind of made it into like a family thing. You know, we kind of spent our time, took a few days, and you know, kind of even things out, stopped by this place in this state arcade. Now we're going to check out this little museum in another state, you know, and kind of took our time getting there. But uh, coming back, um, I was already had a couple uh, jobs like ready to go. Um, so I was kind of in a hurry to come back home. So I ended up coming back in, in, in two days. Um, but I, I mean, it, I didn't go insane. Um, I, I don't mind driving. I mean, obviously, you know, doing a lot of the iRacing stuff and, and whatnot, I like driving. 
Um, I actually used to be a Pizza Hut delivery boy. Fun fact, one of my first few jobs delivering pizzas. Um, so I liked the driving aspect and um, coming back home, I actually took a different route than what I did coming to Charlotte. So, I mean, I, I was, I spent equally just as much time just looking around, you know, going 65. I was just on cruise control, looking around, just taking in the environment. And I was not a podcast fan up until that trip. That trip is single-handedly the reason why I now listen to various NASCAR podcasts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, not, not a lot of people can say that they've driven across the country. Wow. So, um, yeah. Kudos to you. And I, and I know too, you drive everywhere. I mean, wherever you can, I, I know you drove to, I think you drove to gateway one year, maybe. Um, that was, oh, that was, that was still still in Charlotte. Charlotte. Okay. No. Yeah. That, that, that was on a separate trip. Just the second Charlotte trip. I got you. Yeah. That was to visit with some, uh, some friends that I had up there, some old sim racing friends finally linked up over there. Um, wish I was there for a race. Cause that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, went out to the, speedway but just did some dough parting because there was nothing else going on that's right so you come back west um you still got to the racetrack every now and then though and i think that's kind of when you began shooting some k&n races specifically for bill mcanally racing that's our we kind of got closer when we kept seeing each other in person and i know everything's kind of at a standstill right now due to corona and i mean there's only been one arca west race but are you still planning on kind of doing that stuff with BMR in terms of shooting for them whenever they need somebody? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, entering this year, I kind of like wanted to get my life, you know, kind of together. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, I feel like I'm at pressure of time. I feel like I got to make stuff work every single day. I feel like I got to be productive every single day because I feel like I'm running out of time. Why? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It might be the fact that a lot of my high school friends are about to graduate college and I'm still, uh, you know, in community college doing part-time and whatnot, but I feel the pressure to kind of get my life together. So, I mean, entering the 2020 year, I was like, all right, what am I going to do? So I now full-time in school, uh, working or was working up until this deal happened. Um, and I was like, you know what, if I can make it work, I'll try to get some photography lined up on the weekends. So, uh, luckily, I mean, (laughs) I don't know what the new schedule is going to look like now, but at the time it was working out to where I could do majority of the uh, ARCA West schedule for BMR. And uh, they were so cool to uh, reach out and, and, you know, want me to capture their stuff. Um, Yeah. And just try to fill up some off weekends where I can uh, with some clientele work, whether it be at Kern or Irwindale with some late models or ARCA West, you know, Um, just still try to, you know, stay within the sport and uh, keep those connections rolling. Someone that we love in this household, Dale and Barr. You also freelance for DBP, didn't you? Sure. Yeah, we love DBP in this household. Yeah. Yes, we do. So uh, when he came on out to the West Coast and when he came out to Fontana to shoot for the first time, he hit me up. My man's killing it. He's lining up clientels left and right. I swear, Bro. he shoots for like half of the truck field and like a third of the Xfinity field. And so sometimes at the races that he needs help, he'll uh, hit me up. The West Coast swing being one of those weekends. And uh, so, so cool to uh, be able to see one of the homies and uh, really just learn off of him because he's so good at what he does and he's been doing it for the last handful of years. Um, And so anytime I can to work from and learn from a better photographer, I feel like goes a long, long way in being able to, you know, step up my photo and my editing game. So we've been talking for almost 40 minutes now. We haven't even gotten to the part where I think most people may know you from which is the esports side of things so let's go back 
I right now esports and iRacing is all the rage, especially in motorsports. But I remember that I did not know much, if anything, about esports, gaming, NASCAR, Heat, iRacing, anything. But when I saw that you were going to be drafted in the NASCAR Heat League, and then when you were drafted by the King, who I'm looking at on a poster right now, fun fact: the King and I actually have the same birthday. What? Um, yeah, I have a funny story about that after you tell me this story. But when I saw that you were drafted by the King, I I low-key flipped out. I remember, I don't know where I was, but I was I saw your text in our group chat and I dropped my tripod on the ground in my hotel room because I literally was like, "Oh my god." Uh so take me back there to you getting drafted by Richard Petty Motorsports for the NASCAR Heat League and then just all the opportunities that you got to share stage time and talk to the King. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> sometimes like it still doesn't seem to know the fact that, you know, drive for Richard Petty, even if it's just on a virtual scale, but not many people can say that outside of that, you know, obviously real life drivers. But um, yeah, when when NASCAR and 704 Games, the, the publisher of the NASCAR Heat Series came together in the fall of 2018 and announced that for 2019, they're going to make this esports league called the E-NASCAR Heat Pro League. And um, it was a whole process. They had set of qualifications. They're like, anybody you know that has NASCAR Heat 3 on either Xbox or PlayStation can sign up to qualify. And naturally, like, literally the day that I heard that noise, you know, pop off on social media, I was like, all right, you know what? I don't know what I'm getting myself into. It's and they're like swimwear. Yeah, dude, exactly. It took not long for me to go online, buy an Xbox, buy a copy of NASCAR Heat 3 because I hadn't had the game at the time. I, I pretty much leading up to this moment i was doing some casual eye racing and some different sim games but once this opportunity came about i was like okay i i think i can do this you know at the bare minimum i just got to give it a shot and at least i tried so um hopped on the game soon enough the console and the game came in uh started playing uh went into some public lobbies and made some friends uh they taught me how to build some setups and it just pretty much went from there i got faster and faster as the qualification of period went um soon enough they took uh the top 100 drivers broke it down to 50 broke it down to the final 28 that would eventually get drafted into the inaugural season of the ena street pro league and uh somehow some way i was one of those 28 and uh funny story is that i actually did not know that i was going to get drafted because at the time i was in the middle of the las vegas desert with will rogers helping him document his experience at the Mint 400. That's right. Big, big off-road race. So I was in the middle of the desert, no reception whatsoever. There's a little bit of the break in a race, uh, you know, because it's, it's a long, long race, 400 miles, four laps. Each lap is 100 miles. So you have some time to go back Jeez. to the hotel and, uh, you know, just kind of get some sleep or, or eat. So went back. Uh, connected to the hotel Wi-Fi, boom, 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 notifications, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, text message. Uh, you know, I'd gotten a call from Brian Moffitt, who was uh, the, one of the owners of Richard Petty Motorsports, yeah. um, officially congratulating me um, that, that, you know, they had selected me. I'd been drafted by Richard Petty Motorsports for season one. Unreal. And um, yeah, funny story. Actually, Ryan Pistana was with me at this moment. And he has a video, which I've yet to share on social media. But you know what? Once this drops, I might drop the video that uh, has me on the phone 
with Brian Moffitt, and I'm in like complete shock. Like I have a straight face. I'm like, uh, yes, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> we're we're gonna go do well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, such such a cool experience that um, it was in 2019. Uh, such great people being able to meet the crew guys, the road crew, uh, Bubba himself, Richard, and just the whole experience that it came with uh, being able to compete uh, for such a legendary team. Um, never, never will forget, and that's why I'm so glad to be back here for uh, 2020 season two. So tell me about the first time that you met Richard Petty. What did he say to you? Were you too starstruck to say anything? Like, how did that, how did that whole thing work out? Yeah, I was like, uh, so... First event happens at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, 704 and NASCAR, they take all of us drivers out to Charlotte Motor Speedway. First event is going to be live, in person, in the fan zone of the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Morning of the Coca-Cola 600, by the way. So uh, we're out there in the fan zone. Um, they have the NASCAR Trackside Live deal that mm -hmm. they do on social media. Uh, they were kind of like the precursor to our Pro League race. And um, Richard was one of the guests on the Trat Side Show, and uh, he was kind of behind the stage. And, you know, we kind of go up, introduce myself again. I was like, hey, uh, I'm Diego. I'm one of your drivers for this eSports thing. Um, I don't know if you remember my name, but here's what I look like. Here's my face. Um, such, such a cool guy. I mean, just the amount of stories I'm sure he has is unreal. Uh, it was just such a surreal moment that I truly will never, ever forget. So he definitely had no idea what was going on, right? Uh, I mean, probably not. I mean, respectably so. You know, it's an eSports deal, you right. know. Um, and I'm sure he, he has a bunch of other things going on. But, um, yeah. I, I, who knows? <laughs> yeah, who, who does know? You want to hear my crazy story about Richard Petty, though? Tell me. So I'm waiting to do an interview with Bubba. And I'm, I'm like waiting by the hauler and Jeff Dennison was the PR for RPM at that time. So he kind of calls me over. He's like, Davey. I'm like, yeah. He's like, take a seat. So I take a seat on one of the high top, like director type studio chairs that are like right outside the hauler. Right. And I see Richard Petty coming towards me. So I was, so I started getting up to like give, and there was a seat next to me available, but I was like, oh, I want to give him, you know, it's the king, you know? And Jeff's like, no, no, no sit down. I'm like, uh, 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 okay. <laughs> so, so like I sit down and I mean, like he is, he's just signing his autographs for everybody. Super nice. Very kind. Oh, yeah. Um, he's sitting next to me. He cannot hear a lick because yeah. he's been racing all his life at racetracks and everything. He puts in a huge lipper. Um, and <laughs> no I'm way. yeah, yeah. Huge lipper. And I'm next to him and I think practice is going on at this point. So I kind of like leaned over and, and told him something. I said, Mr. Petty, so nice to meet you. He like shook my hand, said, nice to meet you too. I said, I have to tell you something. Uh, my birthday is also July 2nd. And he goes, what's that, son? I said, my birthday is also July 2nd, the same as you. He goes, July 2nd? I go, yeah. He goes, he looks at me. He goes, son, that's a good day. Then he walks away. Dude, that's awesome. It was the most surreal moment of my entire life. I was the whole time I was shaking. So I was like, oh my God, this is Richard freaking Petty. Like, oh my God. Legend. I mean, you just think about the, the record numbers and, you know, you, you hit on the head right there. Like, he's so cool to the fans and he'll sign for anybody and everybody and just so approachable. Um, that, that was probably one of the biggest things that kind of struck me right away, you know, for how much of an icon he is. Like, he doesn't have to be that way, but he is. And he's so cool to the fans. And his signature is so, like, 
what's the word I'm looking for? It's just his signature is signature. <laughs> like it's just so nice and it's flowing and it's big and he takes the time. It's legible. Oh, it's great. One of the best autographs in sports, hands down. What a guy, Richard Petty. So overall, I mean, you competing for RPM in the, hopefully I say it right here, the E NASCAR Heat Pro League. Bang bang, bang bang. David Siegel, bang bang. You know what it is. <laughs> uh, so you competing for them? I mean, this is going to be your second year doing it. Yes, sir. Coming back, two seasons in the butts, two seasons of the pro league, back to back, looking to make some noise. This year, got to make it count. Came close to winning last uh, season, the finale at Phoenix. Um, unfortunately, blew a tire in the last lap, last corner. Yeah, oh coming back for redemption. I was watching that live too. Yeah, yeah, man. I was. Uh, I, I, I didn't know what, what to feel. I mean, I was ecstatic that I came that close, but at the same time, extremely upset that I came that close, Yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So just really looking forward to it. Uh, the whole off season really up to this point, we've, we've been uh, doing a lot of testing, building the setups because that's really just the most difficult part in this esports league is just becoming fast. You know, it's a console game. It's a pick up and play game. Uh, you know, it's, it's built for any one of your Joes just to be able to come on and have some fun. But the big, uh, you know, separator here is the setups and, and being able to uh, not only be a driver, but also be your own engineer, being able to be your own crew chief and be able to make those setups on the fly. And um, that was probably one of the biggest hurdles that I had last year in 2019 on the NASCAR Heat 3 game was just trying to learn those adjustments and knowing that, okay, if I make one adjustment here, then this throws off seven other things. How do I meet in the middle to find mm -hmm. that perfect balance to where I'm fast yet not plowing in the center of the corner or not spinning out loose, you know? Um, and luckily once the NASCAR heat four game came out in uh, September of 2019, um, I felt like I had adapted way more to the car setups on the game and, and the wheel uh, driving physics on the game. And ever since then, we've been uh, competing for top fives week in and week out. And uh, with this new season being on Astro Eat 4, I think we're going to be a force to reckon with every single race. Very good uh, PR answer there. <laughs> I, I actually didn't know I actually didn't know that like the Heat Pro League was setup based because with, with the Pro Series Invitational with iRacing, and let's get one thing straight too. I mean, you said it right there. It's a console-based game, so iRacing, you have your sim rigs, and it's on iRacing, which is a program, and, it, and it's cl as close to the real thing as you can get. And, I mean, iRacing stands, they get upset if you call it a video game because it, it's a simulator, you know? But this is an, a video game. Like, this is on console, this is Xbox, PlayStation, but the, the whole thing is, is with the setups, which is interesting because with the Pro Series Invitational, it's a fixed setup. So it's basically just whoever can drive the best on the sim, but this one, it's more so tweaking on the setup, air pressure, chassis adjustments, what have you. So that that's interesting. I didn't know that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like it is in real life. You know, everybody, all the crew chiefs in real life are trying to find that extra 10th, you know, mm -hmm. whether it be making tire pressure adjustments or shock or spring uh, adjustments to that car. And, 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 you know, for, for the pro invitational, they're doing that because they want everybody to be equal. They don't want them to spend hours upon hours on time because that's literally what we're doing. Last season, me and my teammate, Mike Bross, we were spending eight hours a day leading up to a race weekend, you know, just trying to build these setups, get faster, tune laps, see where our tire temps are at. And okay, if, if, if we're expecting to fall off here, how can we make our tires go that much longer to where we can kind of stay out a few more laps to be able to go a couple laps if there's a comp caution or if there's a yellow that comes out, you know, 
but um, yeah, that, that's just really the bit separator um, as, as it is in the Coca-Cola iRacing series and as it is in the Heat Pro League. Um, and, and, and I think at the end of the day, sure, you know, one's a sim, one's more so on the casual video game side, but at the end of the day, with this all being under the E-NASCAR banner, we, we've got to be able to put on a show. It's got to be entertaining um, for, for everybody that invests their time and money into our program. For sure. Another great PR answer, but a very true answer. I've, I've been trained well, Dave. I've, <laughs> I've done this a time or two. Oh, yeah. I, I know it. Um, so that's very cool. How, what? When are you guys' races? Do you do it on Xbox or PlayStation? Where can people watch? Give me the 411. Yeah, so I am competing on the Xbox console uh, right now. I'm a PlayStation guy. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I was a PlayStation guy as well. Um, had a PS2, PS3 up until the whole esports league came about. I didn't have a next generation console, and for whatever reason, I just picked up the Xbox, probably because it was cheaper. You know, gotta save those dollars. Thanks. But um, yeah, so uh, as of late, I've been an Xbox guy. Um, so I'll, I'll be driving the virtual number 43 this season, uh, Camaro Z01 uh, in the E NASCAR Heat Pro League. Um, the races will be streamed on NASCAR social media, uh, Facebook. I want to say Twitter, but at the bare minimum, it'll be on NASCAR 704's Twitch, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, they do a really good yep. job pumping it out on race days. And uh, for not schedule, that hard to find it. No, no, it, it really isn't. Uh, last year, they did a really, really good job, and I'm sure they'll up it up uh, even more this season promoting the races. But um, as far as the races go, uh, the Schedule has yet to be announced, but I think we're looking at a late May, early June start of the season. Well, the good thing about uh, esports is that coronavirus don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly wish that our season was a little bit earlier because I feel like if we can fill out some time slots yeah. and kind of cash in on like esports being the only sport, like there's a lot to be gained here, you know? Um, so. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Maybe that's why it's TBD because uh, they're trying to re re rework the schedule. Who knows? Well, I'm sure you'll keep us updated as will uh, everybody over there at NASCAR Heat and 704 Games. I got, I got two more questions for you. Hit me. The penultimate question. I I couldn't tell if this is a bit or not, but whenever I have, whether it's a friend or, or somebody that I'm talking to for the first time on the podcast, I try to do my, my due diligence with stalking on all social media platforms. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I did, did some LinkedIn stalking. Oh, okay. Is it true that you're a UPS driver and a background actor? Oh, there we go. How did I know it was coming? Yeah, yeah. That's actually, uh, that's my weekday deal. No way. Well, so actually up until a few weeks ago, because it was a seasonal position with right. UPS, uh, but yeah, I was driving the big truck out there, man. Oh my god! From from October up Shut until about up. A, a, a few weeks ago, into the uh, coronavirus deal. You are Dale Jarrett. I'm literally Dale Jarrett. They handed me the keys. They trusted me with this truck and these packages. What can Brown do for you? Uh, yeah, literally. What can this brown Hispanic do for you? <laughs> Dude, I felt like uh, old Santa Claus every single day oh arriving to these houses, knocking doors like, hey, here you go. Here's this Amazon package. Here's this other order that you were looking on. Uh, so it was cool. I had fun with it. Um, uh, so, yeah. Did you have like a uniform and everything? Yeah, I actually, <laughs> I did probably pull it out if, if this was a video deal. But yeah, I, I had, I was wearing the whole brown attire, man. That was me with the, with oh the liquor Monday through Friday, standing packages in the day. 
at night going to work on the E-Naster E-Pro League and on the weekend doing some photography at the races. But That might be my new favorite thing I, I learned about you. Yeah, fun fact. Not a lot of people know that until you... Uh... Well, now all these uh, all these 12 listeners know that you work for UPS. <laughs> so what about, uh, what about the background actor thing? Yeah, yeah, that, that's another fun fact. And uh, again, unfortunately, uh, all production's been halted here. But um, that, that was kind of another thing um, last, last year um, that I wanted to fill my schedule in, you know, being outside of LA, not that far away from Hollywood. Um, I have a couple friends and, and some mutual friends that uh, are in the entertainment industry. Um, I thought that's so cool. I mean, I, I've always liked content creating, uh, you know, couple years ago doing YouTube videos and whatnot and so when one of my buddies told me that they're a background actor I was like oh like how, how do you get into that like that seems like so much fun you know being on the other side of, of the camera lens and actually being on set uh, I, I was fascinated with with the stories that he had and so uh, soon enough got hooked up with the agency that he was at and um, this started about August September-ish is when I started last year doing the background acting stuff and um, I've, I've probably only done it like maybe once a week, once every other week. Uh, wasn't that many kids, but dude, let me tell you, it's it's unreal the amount of like how fake everything is on set. <laughs> like like uh, just especially for us background actors, like uh, there's this certain scene and, and I'll try to make this story short here, but uh, it's it's for um, an American Pie movie. You know, the, 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 you're in an American pie movie. I, well, I'm in the background of a American pie movie. So you're in the movie. I I'm in the movie. Yeah. I'm in the movie. Oh my God. Um, there, there's this one scene where they're at a, at a school, at a cafeteria and, and, you know, there's about 15 of us background actors just at the cafeteria trying to make the scene a lot more, you know, uh, realistic, you know, lively. And so they hand us trays with food that literally looks like real food, real burritos, real fruits, real, you know, juice box containers. And they're all empty. Like they're all plastic stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, the tables, like they barely actual tables are so lightweight. I was like, oh my gosh, everything is so fake. We spend like 12 hours on a set uh, filming like a one scene. And um, there's, there's like a fake window next to the, the, the cafeteria that I'm at. And I kid you not, I thought it was 1 p.m. like the entire time that I was there because of like the realistic sunlighting that they had in there. Uh, leave the set and it's pitch black, 8 p.m. outside. I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought it was like daytime this whole time. <laughs> so I was completely blown away on like the, the production work and the characters that um, I've met on set. It's, it's just been so much fun. Who's the coolest person, actor, actress-wise, that you've met? on set whether that's like face-to-face -face meeting or it's just kind of like been in the presence of right um let's see so, so a lot of the stuff that i've done has been like more so netflix based and with their like original programming um so i mean it's not someone a-list but i would say the closest person to that has been like madison pettis or uh the guy oh man i'm drawing a blank here on what his name is but did you ever watch the diary of wimpy kid movie when that was a thing i didn't watch the movie but i read I read the books, though. I didn't watch the movie. I'm trying to doodle up his name here, but uh, that guy uh, was really, really cool. Um, he was actually talking to a couple of us background actors in between Tate's. Um, let's see. What's his name here? Zachary Gordon. That's a Zachary Gordon. Super, oh. super cool guy. Down to earth. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably been like the, the, the biggest moment that I've had with an actor. Dude, that is... 
That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Okay, because I, I mean, I figured it was legit, but when I looked at that, I was like, what? I've never like heard <laughs> talk about, about this. this. So I was like, is this a bit or something? But we, we might have to do a part two because I think we could do a whole nother hour talking about the UPS and being a background actor. And and trust me, like once all these scenes come out, like I'm eventually going to post them on social media, but Please. I have a bunch of like behind the scenes photos and videos on set, you know, they're kind of sent to friends and family. But um, yeah, dude, once, once everything comes out, once all the content comes out, it'll be up on social media and it won't be such a secret anymore. That's, That's unreal. unreal. Uh, Diego Alvarado, movie star. Um, I know we're getting long here, so we'll make this the last one and we can make it a little quick. We kind of talked about the future in terms of what that looks like for you. And we're very similar in the respect of we always need to be doing something productive, you know, furthering our careers, et cetera. So you're continuing with RPM on, on the NASCAR E e-nascar heat pro league side got it um you're still pursuing photography with bmr and other clients that pop up here and there you're now full-time in school trying to get your degree um and i know you you mentioned earlier you also race some here and there in go-karts would you ever pursue that a little bit more i mean it seems like the future you got looking for you right now is pretty bright but i know that you're a racer at heart yeah 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 thanks for that um i mean you know i i think for every kid growing up like driving's always the goal but then you come to a moment of realization that it all comes down to financial backing and if you don't have that money you can't become a driver and um so while driving the driving aspect would be cool and one day i would like to be one of those older guys that you see at a you know regional scca or nasa race you know with their whether it be a spec miata or like a, a an old road race car one right. day um at the moment, I, I would like to find my space within the content creation or maybe even on the business side. I'm currently going to school for a communications degree. Um, and, and, you know, luckily, I, I feel like I'll have some opportunities here. Um, not that long ago, I, I had an interview at Phoenix Raceway. Um, so fingers crossed, that's something that'll lead into a, a job within the near future. You'd be but, perfect um, for that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I, I would like to think so, and I'm trying to sell them that I would be the perfect person, you know? <laughs> but um, yeah, just anything, whether it be creating content or, or on the business side, I, I feel like that's where I've liked my time or where I feel like I would fit in. So um, who knows what the future has in the next year, next five years. Um, my life could be completely different because, I mean, looking back at the things I did a year ago or two years ago in the Arca series, I, I would not have thought that would be true, you know, 10, 15-year-old me. So um, always just staying on my toes, trying to do everything I can to network and uh, introduce myself to the right people. And hopefully it pays off in the long run. I hope it does for you as well and for myself too. You've, you've done a great job so far in the short time that I've known you. I love getting to learn and tell people's stories that I already know because I feel like we're already really good friends, but I learned a ton about you <laughs> in this wow. last hour. I still can't get over that you were, you were the big brown man in the UPS. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that is literally the craziest. I, and, 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 and I have so much more to tell you for a later time, whether it be off the record here or on a separate podcast. Oh my God. There's I, way more to it. I cannot wait. Diego, thank you so much for the time. I'm sure everybody enjoyed this slightly less than I did because I can't get over that UPS thing. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. I'm uh, super stoked that we were able to make this happen. And uh, this is going to be really good timing here because uh, once this drops, I will have officially announced that I'm back at Richard Petty Motorsports. Yeet! Uh, really, really good timing here.
Good stuff, my man. Congratulations on that. Looking forward to seeing your reaction video when you got drafted in the middle of the desert. Um, thank you for being a loyal listener of Victory Lane, a loyal liker of all my tweets, a loyal liker of all my content. I appreciate you, even though I tell you that on a regular basis. And I will hopefully see you soon. Stay safe during Corona season, all right? Yeah, thanks, man. You too. And we're back. Woof. Another long one. Sorry, guys. I just can't can't keep myself from shutting the hell up. But I hope you enjoyed that, and I really hope you enjoyed the ending. I think uh, I I hope you guys were as entertained as I was. But I mean, that's some crazy stuff. <laughs> it really is. So Diego, thank you for your time, my man. Congratulations on year three with RPM and the eNASCAR Heat Pro League. Looking forward to seeing how you do this year. Always supporting a day one, homie. Let's get into look nuts of the week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Saturday Night Thunder made its debut this past weekend. Logan Seavey wins the race at Bristol. He held off Chase Cabry at the end. I got to text my boy Evan Pasoko, who we had on a couple episodes ago. He kept calling him Chase Cabri. Evan, it's Cabri. Come on, you should know this, my man. Staying with iRacing, Ryan Luzo won the Coke Series race at Bristol. They kept things way cleaner than the Cup guys did. Steve Phelps of NASCAR and Roger Penske of IndyCar we're on a conference call with the President of the United States this week to discuss things going on in terms of the coronavirus pandemic, how sports are going to look like once things get relatively back to normal. Scott McLaughlin won the IndyCar iRacing event at Barber Motorsports Park, or as he would say, Barber Maybe Sports Park. I have a Will Power. He finished in P2, just a couple of Kiwis battling for the win there. Jimmy Johnson finished P12, up from his 14th place result at the Glen last week. The NASCAR Pinty Series season opening race at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park has officially been postponed, but that's due to coronavirus, and there's a lot of good things happening in the midst of this pandemic in terms of raising money in the NASCAR world. Jimmy Johnson is auctioning off some shoes. Dale Jr. is doing the same with a pair of gloves. Kevin Harvick's doing the same with the fire suit. Uh, the Center for Disease, or excuse me, Disaster Philanthropy is kind of spearheading those initiatives, so cool stuff there but maybe none cooler than what the joey logano foundation and elevation church have done they have formed a one million dollar relief fund for coronavirus patients during this pandemic Uh, whether it's bringing food to communities in charlotte helping with masks ventilators medical costs anything they're helping out big time and they're raising over a million dollars so that's really impressive kudos to joey Brittany logano and everybody involved with that Unfortunately, the inevitable but pretty obvious news came down last week that the debut of the next-gen car has officially been delayed to the start of the 2022 season. I will say I'm glad that they're starting it at this at the start of the next season instead of splicing it in somewhat in 2021. This is a big, big move. You're going to want to have to start from scratch with this thing, so I'm glad that they're delaying it a year. And the NASCAR Research and Technical Center has been building face shields for the coronavirus outbreak. Ford is trying to build 50,000 respirators in the next 100 days, and General Motors is trying to build 50,000 face masks per day. And that's only just a few of the initiatives in motorsports and companies, I guess I should say, in the sport that are helping give back with their equipment that they have, whether it's 3D printers or, or big machinery equipment. Everyone's coming together to try to combat this thing. And that'll wrap things up for episode 49, the Ken Schrader edition of Victory Lane 2.0. 
do me a favor. I know it sounds trivial. While you're staying inside and social distancing, please do me a favor. Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. Wherever you get your podcast, we're most likely there. So we'll catch you later this week for hopefully another episode. I have two people that I'm thinking of running. One is very, very topical at the moment, and another one has a really, really badass name. I'll let you narrow it down from there. Thank you, guys. As always, peace and love, my dude and dudettes. Catch you on the flip side.